Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you on a Wednesday morning, bright and early. Um, I started about 15 minutes later than I wanted to, but that's okay. Uh, got some great stuff for you today on Still Growing in Grace. And the reason we call this program Still Growing in Grace is because we're all really still growing in grace. No one actually arrives. And even in our journey of grace and arriving at some conclusions about the love and majesty of God, um, we continue to learn. We continue to grow. Uh, we're still shocked and surprised by how amazing God is. And he, we kind, kind of look back, at least I do, I step back sometimes and go, what? I never saw it like that. Oh my goodness. And I still have these wows and moments of excitement that surprise me. And it, I think it's great. And hopefully that you're all experiencing that. And if you're not, I hope this program will uh, give you some inspiration and encouragement to keep looking, look deeper, look wider, look further. And I think God's going to show himself to you in a really cool way. Uh, you're going to find things out about God that you never thought were true. And uh, I have a hunch that the love of God has been underestimated because I doubt any one of us is ever going to meet God one day and go, I so overestimated you. <laughs> we're not going to do that. So let's get going into today's program. Uh, great conversation. We started last week with Bill Thrasher and Richard Murray. Um, so let's tune right into it. There's lots to develop here. I hope you'll enjoy it. Here we go. Let's keep going on this conversation we had because, uh, Bill, you remind us of what we just covered last week, <laughs> three minutes ago, <laughs> and uh, um, what we, you, you just had a really cool thought you want to start with. Well, no, we've been talking about um, kind of the foundational staples of how we came to reevaluate so many of the ways we see this journey of faith in Christ, Right. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, uh, started with Tree of Life and Jesus' exact representation of God. I think we've tapped into the Trinity as this um, really important image of, of who God is and, and how God kind of operates, uh, a living metaphor, so to speak. Um, I touched on general revelation, special revelation as, a, as a kind of this understanding of how we approach scripture and creation. Uh, Richard's talked about his journey through um, charismatic church and um, the Jewish. Uh, Judaism, you can't get more opposite. Judaism, yeah, you, you can't get more opposite lenses there. Come on. No, yeah, and then, and really, what? and then he was also mentioning the uh, the patristic study of the the earliest church fathers and understanding the difference in Eastern and Western philosophy, and so we concluded kind of with this idea of hierarchy as really this Western perspective right or this western kind of view i think dualism also is, is kind of very tied closely to that um it, it's hierarchy with parameters of black and white good and evil to some degree um where i think there is in many different eastern philosophies especially eastern christianity much more of a trinitarian relational mystic um uh equitable, uh, uh, self-giving, we were talking about uh, other deferring 
love that we see represented in Christ and Holy Spirit and Father. And it's interesting, you know, we, we can kick it off here, but that, that the scriptures really don't, I think they support both depending on the presupposition you bring to the table, mm-hmm. right? And to me, the scriptures so much more are a Rorschach test of us a lot of the time than they are trying to tell us some absolute truth of God. So I mean, we can kind of kick it off there. That, I got I got good. one word I want to bring kind of bring down it. the road of this conversation, but we'll we'll let it go from there to start. Okay. Richard, what would you say to that guy who just talked? <laughs> well, I mean, talking about leadership, I will say one thing. I read a book to the boys many years ago. I read it first and it really impacted me. It's called My Glorious Brothers. And it's by Howard Fast, who wrote Spartacus. He's a famous, mm-hmm. pretty famous yeah. author. Um, and he, the, the, I, the, I the uh, yeah, that, that way, <laughs> but, but the, the, uh, he wrote about the Maccabees, the, the five uh, brothers who, uh, obviously, uh, worked into the, uh, at the time that they rebelled against the Greeks, uh, that were plaguing Israel, their, their style of leadership was pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, at least as, as fast writes it and whether it's meticulously historical, I don't know, but he's a good author and whether he's right or wrong, it's right. I'm telling you it's right. But these, these brothers, the, the whole Maccabee form of leadership was a type of leadership where that was again, protean, they would stay back amongst the people. They would be just one of the common people and they would be treated like the other, like the Jews would treat each other. They didn't get treated specially, but when the time came for somebody to take the bull by the horns, that person would come and step forward and it would be a different person at different times. Hmm. It was a very, very uh, loose uh, form of leadership without, without man elevation and without uh, pleasing, you know, this whole spirit of elevating and pleasing men and seeking their approval. I mean, they would argue, I mean, they would argue with the leaders. I mean, that, 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 you know, there, there wasn't that deference, that absolute mindless where, where we defer to the will of another. It's mm-hmm. like we come together with our different wills. And then whoever has a kind of like Paul said to have meetings. If one of you has a word, hey, step up and give it. One of you has a teaching, step out and give it. You know, and if it's wrong or flat, it's not the end of the world. You know, we'll we'll hear it together and we'll 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 chime in and we'll try to course correct whatever needs to be course corrected. That, that, so requires, real- that requires safety and trust. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Relational trust there because that's not possible today in our Western world, really safety right. to, to say something. And if it's really wrong, um, you, you get shot down. It's like posting something on Facebook. Oh my goodness. What you get attacked for just one little comment, taken the wrong way. Holy. Well, theology has really, really become a place of distrust in, in so many ways because we are so legalized in, in our orthodoxy, if you want to call it that in the Western world, especially and, and going back, I've studied not and probably as deeply as um, Richard has, but how Jewish, religious practice works is is debate is not a small part of the Jewish faith. It is a huge part of the Jewish mm. faith. They come, and in fact, they're taught in their theological practices. These rabbis are to come and defend and, 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 and incur. But like you just said, there is a trust. You're not going to be excommunicated from the Jewish community. It can't be, which is kind of cool, right? You can't be because you bring something to the table that is maybe debatable right and i think that's something we've lost in our christian cultures to some degree um and and that goes back to reflect on what he's saying about this very 
organic fluid type of leadership that um, that we just don't see, I don't think, in our culture, but that, that I would love to see a reemergence of. You well, I think, if I, if I could say just something in response to that, is, is, is I think that social media has a lot of negatives and it's got a lot of pluses, but seeing the, the leadership people who con- congregate loosely on Facebook, whether it's through Zoom meetings, occasional conferences, whether private messaging, whether it's just Facebook posts, there is a leadership. I, I have noticed that there is a leadership out there and it steps and but it's different. It evolves, you know, on different threads. You see somebody step up to the plate and really promote God's goodness. And somebody it's like uh, whoever has the mojo needs to carry the ball, you know, and that mojo bounces around. And, uh, and so there's a loose confederacy that social media does let you have a loose confederacy of leadership and eldership. That's not, you don't even call it that I'm just using it to describe its function. I'm not calling them elders. I'm saying they're, they're performing as elders. Uh, and then they disappear. They go back into the crowd. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the best aspects of this. You had mentioned, both of you mentioned the Eastern uh, thought. So, Maybe we need to clarify this for some people because the background I grew up in, I grew up in a German Baptist church. And if you use the word Eastern, you immediately thought new age, you immediately thought uh, Asian, but I don't think that's what this means at all. And then you have this idea of Greek thought. Can, do you guys, can you guys explain that real quick for just anybody not knowing what the difference is? Western is pretty, we kind of get that, but what have you guys heard? Because this is, I think it's an important thing. Otherwise we can get hung up and, mishearing what you're trying to say go ahead bill (laughs) you probably are more versed in maybe some of the the uh defined uh scope of this i mean just a general i just want a general yeah mine's much more philosophical and organic i mean uh, you know in general western is is again very logic based Mm. right it's very uh, the ability to um apologize right to test or give reason for why you believe what you believe um i think in the eastern world like you said this it does apply very much into some of the asian type faiths but you see it across the spectrum of asia into eastern europe even um is a much more organic open-handed way of approaching all things that there is there is a spectrum of, of realities all happening at the same time. And what we're, we're, we're on a journey through truth. Um, and truth is just as, truth is objective, but our subjective journey through it is not necessarily tied to that objective black and white thing um, at any given point in our, our journey. Does that make sense? I was yep. kind of roundabout, yeah. but- yeah, yeah, and I'll just just to add add to that. I think you know when we're talking about the Eastern Church, we're we're not talking about the Asian Church, even right. though I know you know there's there's different uh, Asia Minor and all that uh, the different things. But we're we're basically talking. I mean, today that would uh, be you know pretty much to Greece, you know the Greek Orthodox, and mm-hmm. um, so there's there's Middle East, there's Far East. I mean, there's East is big, <laughs> just as West is big. But everything but everything East of us is East. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. And, well, uh, the put, gen- to put a put a you know kind of uh, plant a stake in the ground at, at around 1000 AD, I don't know, give or take. I think it was 1050 AD. The church, the the Catholic Church, not Catholicism, but the United Singular Church, 
had what was called the Great Schism. And you can look this up in history, and I know both of all of us have, but where there was literally a divide of Constantinople and Rome excommunicating the leaderships of one another and the churches that starting to, to you know, move out in, in different directions. And they were no longer united in their ecumenical views. They, they, they became divergent. And so much of that ties back about a thousand years ago. It started before that, but it came to a point where physically the churches separated and we've had kind of two schools of thought for at least a thousand years. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the Latin church, mo most of the wrath that, that is today, unfortunately, American Christianity comes from the Western church, a lot of it. And Latin, for instance, the Latin church, they're the ones who first advocated torture of heretics and forced conversions. And, you know, it wasn't Augustine. I love Augustine on a lot of what he said, but he had some very horrible days and seasons in his life. And I believe it was because of the pressure of empire that was over him. Just living on Rome, that's like living in hell. You know, the, the way they conquered the world and the way they tried to control and, you know, uh, minister, administrate the world. And uh, just the call for just wars and all that. I think it polluted. I think Augustine was was a was a powerful man in the spirit. Uh, and, but I think he came under the influence of, of, of the empire, but That's you don't see that. Kind of... Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but uh, you don't see that kind of thinking in the East or at least not much of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was uh, uh, the church I would have loved to have attended. If I spoke the language was the Alexandrian church, you know, cause there you got origin out of there and you've got a whole bunch of the church, uh, fathers and all out of there. And they had the big library there before it was burned. And, uh, I mean, and, and they, they Ethiop were some Ethiopian church too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, it went right down there. We haven't heard about them much, but much of our key foundations of the early church fathers comes from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, origin was essentially Egyptian, okay. you know, and, um, we, we don't, uh, we don't, uh, because they called it different things back then, we're maybe not as sensitive today as to what mm. part of the, you know, what part of the uh, world they're from. Uh, but I think it's, 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 uh, it's the, um, all the nations coming together. You know, it's interesting to see that. Uh, but generally speaking, the Eastern, if, if you're looking for universalists, if you're looking for, uh, if, uh, you know, God, a God of light, a God who doesn't oppress, afflict, destroy, smite, those are all going to be found in the Eastern, in the mainstream of the Eastern thought um, and penal substitution atonements over there in the West. All, all of the acronyms are in the West, <laughs> all those <laughs> ugly acronyms. Yeah. Uh, but there's a stain of cruelty. I think the way to look at it is there was a stain of cruelty in the Western church that just that just fractured and it grew from generation to generation until it became monstrous. And listen, I don't think Constantine. Uh, you know, I'm, I may I may tick some people off by saying this, but I don't think that was a good thing. I don't think go and conquer in this sign was a good thing. That was when it, uh, you know, the 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 religious leaders of the day did not confront him on that. But I mean, to go and conquer, that's when everything changed. Before then, Christians didn't even want to serve in the military, and and of course, you know, because they didn't, they wanted to follow Christ. That's what they believed. And um, you know, when that happened, it that's, you know, the. The church invisible, I don't know if we've ever talked about the church visible versus the church invisible, nope, but the, 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 church, the church visible is the idea. It's the institutional church, the church that you see with the eyes, as though you can just call yourself a church and then be a church. Well, you can by defining it as a church visible, but the church invisible 
is the bride of Christ, who right. God alone knows the outline of that, you know, and some of them can be in the institutional Absolutely. church. Some of them can be outside of it. But, um, you know, we're not taught. We, we acknowledge the, the visible church without it's like a shell game. We, we subtly acknowledge it as the invisible church. And it's not, you know, the, the best the visible church can be is just sort of a, a translucent husk that doesn't get in the way. They can't really do anything. They're just, but they can just stay out of the way and be a place where the, where the invisible church meets, you know, and, and just stay out of the way. That's all you can ask the institutional church to do, but it's the one thing it doesn't do. It doesn't stay out of the way most of the time. So the purpose of me asking that question is when I grew up in my bubble, um, my bubble was right. And I was told, my bubble told me what not to read. My bubble told me what to read and therefore anything that opposed it was wrong. You know, um, and then in this journey of grace, first of all, some of the scriptures don't mean the same thing as I thought, and they're even better. There's a better hope-filled perspective on them. That's great. But to find out there are other Christians around the world that actually have believed this longer than me, you mean yeah. it's not a North American uh, theology? You mean there's others who actually are living the God life without looking Western? Like, really? So to me, there, anybody growing has to come to a place of realizing we haven't got all the answers. We must have conversations with many more groups and do a better study of some history. And I heard that coming from, all th from both of you today. So that's why I wanted that, that question, because I know somebody I, I know is going to watch this, and they have a misunderstanding of Eastern. And so this was helpful just to, just to bring that up a little bit. No, I think that's, that's really good. And, and, and I think so many people have been taught a spirit of fear when it comes to um, knowledge of their own faith. And, and that's, that's kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, you know, I grew up differently. I've been a Christian or in a Christian household my, since birth. Uh, my, my grandfather was a, a brethren in Christ a pastor and became the <laughs> mission, leader of the world. I was a brethren in Christ pastor. Were you? Yeah. yeah, my my, my grandfather. Vic, we light up the world. <laughs> he was uh, in charge of international missions out of uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And uh, so I grew up pretty heavily. My dad became saved at a relatively early age in a Baptist church. I grew up Southern Baptist in the South for the most part. Um, and so I, the thing that struck me a decade ago, I was a Baptist. I had no clue where Baptists came from. It's not taught. It's not, I don't know the, 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 the patristic lineage of my own pastor at my church. Well, who did he learn from? Never is mentioned. Maybe once, but generally not. He's just the pastor. Well, how did he get to be pastor? Well, some elders interviewed him and they appointed him to be in charge. And so now everybody believes. And, and they called it, they believe that God told them, therefore they can never be wrong. So That's right. he's the wrong guy. He can't we can't admit it. Until, until he says one thing, and then that board of elders decides he's no longer fit, and then they go through the process all over again. But the, the truth be told, I had to go outside of the community that I was raised within to learn anything about the community I was connected with. Wow. How, how interesting is that? And you have to go read, thank goodness for the internet. And that's, you know, like Richard said, the ability now to discover information without going to a, a physical library and having to read Latin or having to read Greek or having to, to, to all of a sudden have this access to information. I can go and learn about John Smythe. 
where the Baptist church came from and who was he and where did he come from? And, oh, okay, this is a branch of kind of Anabaptist merged with Methodist kind of trying to figure things out. And that came from here and that, and it, it were all a bunch of, pardon my, you know, language, we're all a bunch of mutts. I mean, we, we're all a bunch of faith-based mutts and we don't come from pure lineage and that's okay. That's not a bad thing. But then you start figuring out that there were, for lack of a better metaphor, purer breeds somewhere beyond, you know, if you take a bunch of dogs, you, you know, you take pure breed dogs and you put them in a, a mosh pit for 20 years and you come back, you're just going to have a bunch of mutts. And really in America, that's kind of what you have. There are some versions that are, have some, but, but if we look back to the patristic fathers, all the way back to the disciples, we're getting to a more pure version, I believe, of, of what uh, Christianity was intended to be and started as, and we get to understand really what the whole point of it is, I think, from a more grounding. That's back to that grace thing. The grace is still this fundamental component that we cannot let go of, because when we do, we become tainted in other directions. That's where people start to lose their Christocentric, their Christological, you know, um, foundation, and they start, you know, to use Don, Don Keithley's phrase, going off where the antelopes roam and where the buffaloes graze, you know? And, and so keeping the cross, the crucified Christ, the center of our, our view keeps us grounded no matter where we go. But we have that freedom to go and venture and to test things that we never even expected or never even knew we lived in ignorance of. Mm -hmm. Take a look at this picture oh. for a moment. You're going to like this. This might describe what you just said. This whole idea of churches yeah, moving exactly. through history. <laughs> so, so that's true. what we came through. We're so lucky Jesus has us. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was so true. Funny. Though. It's funny. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. The one word I want to do. I, I, I was going to ask you for it. You know, this, um, this word, and we can kind of close for the last 10 minutes on this is zoom, zoom. And is I, that I, Mazda? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, I think it ties back to what we were talking about last time. It actually kind of intertangles in a lot of what we're talking about. Um, zoom, zoom is this kind of, uh, uh, Jewish philosophical. It's also Eastern in some other places, but this idea of creating space for freedom, mm but not relinquishing um, authority. That makes sense. It, it, it's a paradox. I think there's some of that, but the entire idea of creation that God has, has created space. Uh, I think Richard, I'll let you say it for yourself, but you know, he's, he's not given us a car that we can crash, right? <laughs> he's given us guardrails, but there is space that we can move and, 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 you know, find our, scratch the paint really well <laughs> yeah. live and move and find our being within. And I think inside of this thing that is the invisible church, um, that goes back to that, that you have to, what's the word you were talking about? The protea protea. Yeah. The, these things all kind of are starting to kind of coalesce here in conversation. So have, are you familiar with that word? I'm not zoom zoom. No, I never no, I'm it. not. Oh, me. That's no, why I'm I did the. That's not, why I did the no, Mazda no. commercial joke. Oh my gosh, I thought zoom, that, zoom. That's, that's, that's the only time I've uh, heard it. Is zoom, yeah, zoom, 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 zoom. It's, it's, um, <laughs> there's, there's a book that I read uh, by uh, uh, Gerard. No, no, um, Schrodinger. Uh, he's a he's a Jewish Kabbalist and physicist out of MIT. MIT. Um, a brilliant book called God According to God. 
again, written from a Jewish perspective. And he talks about this concept, again, is that relational concept that we were just talking about. And it's so funny, the closer you get, I think, to Judaism, the closer in some ways you get to Jesus. Hmm. Right? And I think you have to go through some of this study if you're really going to start to understand who Jesus was as a, as a man, as a, as a guy who walked around and addressed certain things because he was raised in these conceptual ways and these debating ways and this open-handed ways where there's this space that we operate in to have this co-creating power. We really do. And in that is that, that we see it as a gap where evil is allowed uh, as, and, and from our flesh. But God sees it as a gap where evil is disallowed <laughs> mm. in the fullness of time, right? right. And it depends what age you're standing from. And we have the opportunity to change our mind, right? Back to that metanoia that we've talked about, to, to start looking at this creation from a different angle and seeing that space as the space where God lives, where God is, where God will be. Um, I'll let you guys take it and run with it from there. But um, th that's, to me, that's a very liberating and also reconciling concept for what we experience in this world that seems to be dark, that appears to be in shadow, that it appears to be evil, at least from our limited framework. That's good. I like that. And if I remember a series I did on light and dark, I want to reteach it because it was so, so good. But even if I found verses that said in God, there is no darkness to him. Light and dark are alike. How is that possible? And that's Old Testament. And then even for those who Jesus was speaking to, he said, if the light that is in you is dark, as in the light that is in you, as in it's in you, like it's non-negotiable light is in you. If that light that is in you, if that is darkness to you, holy smokes, how great is that darkness? So mm -hmm. I'm, I have to, I'm having to learn to be a lot more careful, less judgmental when I get into discussions with people. And this is hard um, mm -hmm. uh, that there's light in them. And I don't want to add darkness to them. Right. I want to, speak to the light that's in them. That's why I do my funerals when I, for non-church people. I love doing funerals because I get to speak light into darkness. Yeah. But in our theological arguments, the, one of the things I've had to learn over the years is um, I, I arrived at a place of being right. Okay. <laughs> I was a grace teacher under the umbrella of a really great grace ministry. And I felt I arrived. I could take on any pastor. I got every comeback. I'm ready to argue with anybody. I'm going to bring grace to the people. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Holy smokes. When some pieces of thread start to unravel, I found out there's a lot more. There is more grace than I ever dreamed of. And it's like, I look through this, this window that I didn't know existed. And it was like, I see a universe and I'm thinking, how am I going to explain this? Mm. You know, that's good. Dots of light. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Amen. All right, Richard, what's your response to good old Bill? Besides well, I, being nuts. No, I mean, I, I, yeah, every part, every syllable. I agree with every syllable. Um, I guess the only thing that, that I might add, I, I may have shared this the last time, but it's something that's always helped me understand, you know, the goal of uh, as we evolve through these things and, you know, starting and then deconstructing, then reconstructing and where we move and just that it's all part of the wonderful, you know, wonderful link, uh, the uh, crossing the river, you know, on the uh, pond rocks, uh, step by step. And uh, I share this about Bruce Lee. 
where he uh, was talking about when he first started studying martial arts, he thought that the fist was just the fist, you know, just, just, that's all there was to it. But as he became a master, he realized that the hand was the most intricate uh, machine in the world. It had all the bones in it and the bone structures and the exact way it moves together. It's a miracle. So he studied all the angles, all the bones, memorized all the bones and, and all the joints and all the ligaments and all that. And then he had an epiphany one day that a fist is just a fist. He had crossed the field of complexity to get to the field of simplicity. Mm-hmm. And I think when we talk about where we've been, we go through these mm-hmm. things that, um, you know, that seem complex and even needlessly complex. Mm-hmm. And yet we still oversimplify them. They, they're complex at one point, then we oversimplify them. But the whole point is there's a journey going on. And the thing with grace is not so much that you get to where you can understand every angle and every, although it's fun to explore that and it does us good to explore, but it's too much for us. We can't really grasp it until we just come to the point, the epiphany that grace is just grace Mm -hmm. and then we can live it. And, uh, and then it's, we don't have to deliberate about it. We don't miss it because we're trying to stay ahead of it or trying to keep up with it. No, we rest in it. And um, that's what we're learning to do to get to the field of simplicity. That's the end game. It's not becoming more and more, more and more complex. That's the worst thing we can do. We got to keep moving back to simplicity. I don't say that grace is a fist, right? Or it's a hand. The the metaphor there is amazing because it just allows me to pick up the beer and drink it. (laughs) (laughs) Amen, brother. To the party, right? To the party. Oh, man. Well, I, me- I remember meeting a, a Grace Jerk who was a, uh, a well-known teacher. Everybody looked up to him, went to him for counseling all the time. Uh, I, I learned from him, but he did a jerk move one day when I went to him to seek some counsel and I want to grow deeper. And he just looked at me and said, you're not ready. Nope, we're not having this conversation. He wouldn't engage in it, but he played the card of, uh, a fake mentor when he wasn't my mentor, but he played the role of everybody's looking up to me as a leader. Right. Mm-hmm. I never noticed that until the harsh judgment to my heart, which was so hungry to get some answers and he wouldn't give me anything. And I've looked back on that situation and realized what he did was a, a jerky move. Fine. He, cause he didn't, he didn't really trust my heart and I was wanting answers, but later I found out that, um, there are people that are going to come to us for some answers in this grace journey. The people that are still what we call it the beginning, so to speak um, to give them our shortcut answers that oh, it's just a fist. Um, they've never experienced the journey through the, through the desert. They're not wrestled with the concepts and to give too easy of a response, cookie cutter, meme gospel, meme answers that we have to be sensitive and to where is this person at? Are they truly hungry? Then right. feed carefully. And I, that's been on my mind a lot. That's good, Mike. That's I excellent. I agree. I think, I, and I've been, I've been trying to, even in my own kind of language to myself, and, and a lot of what I write is just to myself. I just let other people look at it, <laughs> is, is the, the realize that conversation, what we're doing right now is so important you know, unidirectional flow of information can be okay. I mean, it can be beneficial, but that's not, again, back to that very thing we talked about last week, which was 30 minutes ago. It's not the relationship between two things, Mm -hmm. right? It's not that space. It's not the zoom zoom. It's not the gap where this 
idea of love, God is love, exists. God doesn't exist here. God doesn't exist here. God is the binding between. It's the Amen. That's so right. Zoom, Zoom is that, right? And so unless we're having that intera interaction, interdependency, you know, inter, um, intertanglement with another spirit, with another flesh, with another soul, we're not going to have that. Um, we're not going to experience grace. We're not going to experience um, God. Really, at the That's end cool. of the day. I love that. Man, This I, I want to keep going, but we can't. It's five. So <laughs> next, until next time, right? I promised you half an hour. So I think this is good because uh, some people have written and, and said, you know, an hour's long it is. and they're right. So having it short, easier, um, less attention and for time that people have, you know, uh, of quiet to be able to listen. So this is great. Thank you for joining me this time, guys. And uh, I, I invite everyone to join back the next time we engage in a great conversation, which won't be long. Thank you so much for watching. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in today. I hope you were encouraged by last week's and this week's uh, conversation. Uh, we've had three weeks of discussing some of the basics where we've come from. Uh, it's fun to watch how this conversation turns and goes and has its own ebb and flow. It's pretty cool. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk through, uh, I think it's First John. We're going to talk about uh, the child, young man, father um, journey and what that might look like that we're called to grow up and be fully formed into Christ. Um, I think you're going to like it a lot. So brace yourself. That'll be in the next couple of weeks. But uh, thank you for tuning in today. I hope it was encouraging. Um, let us know your thoughts. Uh, thank you for commenting. Share the video if you uh, enjoyed it. And uh, let's just keep encouraging others to grow in grace because none of us have arrived. And it's an exciting journey. So thanks again. And we'll wait till next week, hopefully Wednesday morning, same time. Uh, join us for a wonderful, fun conversation of growing deeper in our understanding of God's amazing love and grace. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.